Hi, I'm Val Hart in San Antonio, Texas, founder of Val Hart and Friends at ValHart.com. Welcome to The Real Dr. Doolittle Show, the show for animals and the people who love them. I've been called a real-life Dr. Doolittle many times in my career as an expert animal communicator, behaviorist, pet psychic, and master healer. My mission and passion is to improve the lives of animals the world over by helping humans learn how to speak their language, how to understand their viewpoints, and heal. After all, our love of animals helps us be better humans, and the more balanced and healthy we are, the more balanced and healthy they can be, too. Be sure and look for my CDs on iTunes, and to find out more about my work and to receive your free Quick Start Animal Talk course, just go to my website at valhart.com. While you're there for a limited time, you can also apply for a complimentary Happy Animal Assessment Session. And if you want to learn how to be your own Dr. Doolittle, check out the world's first complete Animal Communication Made Easy system available now on my website at ValHeart.com. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Val Hart, the real Dr. Doolittle, and today I'm talking with Penny Stone. Penny has been training and caring for animals her whole life. As a child, she was always bringing home sick animals and strays. As a young woman, she spent time as a dog trainer, a small animal vet tech, and as the education coordinator for the Humane Society. In 1980, she graduated from the Meredith Manor International School of Horsemanship, and she began her illustrious career as an equine professional. She studied with Linda Tellington-Jones, internationally renowned author and horsewoman. She's also a T-Touch and Team T-Team. You have to be careful saying TT, right? <laughs> practitioner. Oh, all of your interactions with animals emphasize understanding, communication, and relationship, which is, I think, where you and I actually connected, isn't it, Penny? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you've written articles. Um, you've been published. Your first book has been published, Uncommonly Good Horse Sense. It's about how to understand and interact with animals with compassion and kindness so they elect you to be their leader because they love you, right? Right. Um, yeah. Although horses are the subject of the book, readers say that the insights apply to all the creatures in their lives, and that includes the two-legged creatures we know as humans. Penny also does body balancing for horses. Her methods utilize several bodywork techniques, cold laser, life wave technology, and integrative movement to improve the horse's comfort, body awareness, balance, and movement, and it subsequently enhances their performance. Her website is wholehorsemanship.com. Welcome to the show, Penny. I'm delighted to have you. Thank you, Val. I'm so delighted to be able to talk with you. I am, I, I'm just so excited to see what you've done. You know, we have to give a little bit of history here, don't you think? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we do. Uh, you and I met in the mid-1990s in Dallas, Dallas, Texas, um, when uh, Linda Tellington-Jones was teaching a T-Touch workshop. It was my very first experience with T-Touch, um, and I got to meet you. And it was you, you've been a delightful gift. I've known you for a very long time now, and it's been so much fun to watch what you're doing with your gifts and your skills and your, your love of animals. Thanks. I, I feel absolutely the same. I remember so clearly meeting you there and watching you expand your work and your love and um, just your wonderfulness. 
<laughs> really, throughout the world and, and all the animals who you've helped and all the people you've helped. It's yeah. just been really, really great. I love it. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it was, it was really fun. I remember when we connected and we got to talking and you know, we, we started playing with the T-Touch techniques with animals and T-Team um, and also with animal communication. You know, we I remember we uh, we worked together on a number of cases. We were bringing um, bringing in the gift of communicating with the animals, as well as helping them find their balance and their body awareness and understanding where their pain and their their discomforts were. And and it was so much fun watching the horses just kind of come alive. You know, helping them. It just it was amazing. Yeah, I yeah. In fact. Um, I have a notebook, and on the cover of the notebook is a horse that you and I worked with together. Yes. Ah. After all these years, um, and he was a horse, an elderly horse, that uh, was having some physical body issues, and his mom hired us to work with him together. And as we were working on him, uh, you were talking about what he was experiencing, and it was so interesting because I got to his tail, And all of a sudden, he started just swinging his tail around violently, and uh, I didn't quite know what to do, and he <laughs> filled me in and said, oh, he's remembering, feeling, and being running through a field as a young horse with his tail swaying, and yeah. it was so um, mm. enlightening and mm-hmm. really helped me mm-hmm. to hear that and to yeah. know what was going on. Yeah, made a difference in in how I worked. Yeah, you know what? I remember that uh, it's been so long ago. The horse's name was was Ivanhoe. Yes, that's right. It was Ivanhoe, and I remember that we worked with him. You know, the communication work. He was sharing his heart with us. It was just, I mean, so moving. I I've got tears in my eyes just remembering it right now. Uh, I remember we were all crying. (laughs) Uh, We were working with this horse, you know, and he was feeling his body and in a way that he hadn't in a very long time and and he was feeling good about himself and and we, and you taught him you know some of the groundwork so he could be able to walk in balance and not stumble and fall and you know and and walk with flow and with more ease you know more coordination um and we he took him through his paces and taught him some really lovely things um and then remember we turned him out and we put him out in the big pasture with the other horses and and he was out there, and we were all sitting around on this, I don't know, it was like a, a patio bench, you know, or a picnic table or something. And we were sitting there talking and kind of debriefing uh, about what we had done and all that. And all of a sudden, we looked out into pasture, and he was out in pasture at Liberty by himself, and he was practicing what you had just taught him. <laughs> Do you remember that? I... It was clear as day. He was out there he he was thinking to himself, okay, she said to walk this way and I have to hold my head like this. And, and if I go like this, then I can feel my body. And it's not as hard. And I, don't, and I feel more balanced. And, oh, 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 I just got out of balance. Okay, I have to. Now, what did she say? What did she say? Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember now. But, I mean, that was the conversation that was going on in his head. And his, in his body, it's like he was taking those careful steps. And he was finding his balance, and he was so obviously doing the whole exercise all over again, all by himself, out in pasture. It was so sweet. Ah, oh, one of my yeah. treasured memories, yeah. Yeah, he, he was. it was wonderful working with him and working with you. Yeah, yeah, it really, really was. 
Oh, all right. Well, so that that's a little bit of our history, how you and I got to connect. Um, so I want to know more about what you're doing, and I definitely want to talk about your book, Uncommonly Good Horse Sense. And I have to say, this is an uncommonly good book. <laughs> the tips and things that you share in here, the wisdom that you share, isn't absolutely is not just for horses. It is for us in our life and all of our relationships. I think these. Uh, these points that you made are so powerful and so to the point and so brilliant. So um, I know um, you've been involved with horses for a long time, but I really want to know a little more of your backstory. How did you actually decide you wanted to be an equine professional? Uh, that is a great story. I had really had been involved with animals my whole life and naturally gravitated to employment that would allow me to be with animals, and yeah. I was working for the Humane Society, and um, it was mainly an office job, and I wasn't really satisfied, and so one day I asked myself, what is it in life that you will always do without the input of anyone else, hmm. without any peer pressure, without any demand from a job or a college course or anything, Mm -hmm. what is it that you will always want to do? And I realized it was horses. Mm, Wow. And within a very short time after that, I had enrolled in um, Meredith Manor and packed up everything and, you know, went off to school at, uh, I think I was like 28 or 29. Wow. I was a little older than most, but I just, knew that that was what it was for me, and off I went. And uh, mm. after I graduated, um, since then I've either worked part-time or full-time, mm-hmm. either training horses or people or giving clinics or, you know, so, in some way equine professional work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I am one of the few people that has had the majority of their adult life being able to get up in the morning and looking forward to what they do. Mm. Uh, I'm, I can just feel our listeners going, I want that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I I did that. You know, I I had um, a business uh, a master's degree and I had my own market research corporation and, you know, started a bunch of stuff. I was, I was really in the business world and, you know... Um, and at one point, I just figured out how miserable I was. It's like, okay, well, what brings you joy? And the truth is that animals do. You know, they they do. So, you know, it sounds like we both had that kind of an epiphany moment. And I know I haven't ever regretted it or looked back. I'm betting you haven't either. Mostly mm. not. Mostly <laughs> not, except on the bad days when we're like, what the hell are we doing? Yeah. Well, oh, and, I know. And- this brings to mind a little bit more of our history because when I met you, you were still enmeshed in that world. And um, I remember my first impression of you as being very retiring and, oh, what's the word, uh, as though you were not fully expressed. Mm. That, what a kind way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be tactful here. <laughs> yeah. 
But really, it was a difficult just, time in my life, that's for yeah, sure. You were so contained and um, just, yeah, not expressed. And, and it's one of the things about having a friendship with you over the years has been that I have had the great good privilege of being able to watch you express and grow into and expand who you really are. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, Penny, has there been one special horse in your life that's that's helped you become who you are, expressing who you fully are? Oh, boy. There have been many. I would say that Marvin, who uh, came to me, let's see, it's got to be 10 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, or more. Wow. Maybe, maybe longer. Uh, who was a very, um, he had been abused. In fact, you talked to him a couple times yeah. for me and helped reveal the motivators and the, the history. Yeah. Uh, he had been seriously abused and um, was, wouldn't interact with people. Uh, and when you did interact with him, he would often just kind of lose it and freak out and rear or run away or do things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and through your help and through the T-Touch model and uh, some other, you know, just quiet, calm training methods, mm-hmm. he uh, evolved dramatically. Mm. He will always have post-traumatic stress disorder is what I would say. There are mm-hmm. things that can trigger him. Yeah. But he is a horse. Yeah, and he's a horse. And he's able to come back now. Mm, that's that's critical. You know, we can all be triggered. Yeah. You know, the question is how quickly do we come back? And learning with him and feeling him uh, communicate with me and yeah. um, change and seeing that all happen and being... Uh, having intention for him, his being able to be freed from his fear and pain and abuse um, and feeling him communicate with me and having intention for him Mm -hmm. and being able Mm -hmm. to stay focused on my intention, not expecting that I can control him as much as having intention and yeah. constantly using kindness and compassion and understanding to um, guide both of us towards mm-hmm. the intention. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that, that's so good. You know, because I, I think what usually happens with us is that we get triggered <laughs> Um, and then we lose our clear intention of what we really want. And then all we're focusing on is all the stuff we're afraid of or that we don't want or that we hate or that's making us stressed, you know, or that's not working, whatever. So so then our animals are left with a lot of that and none of what we actually do want. So they have no guidance. You know, they yeah. wind up having no guidance. Um, and they need that. And if anyone's going to give it to us, you know, in times like that, when they've lost their focus, we have to be the ones to recall and hold the dream. We have to hold the focus so that they can align with it. 
And we yeah. can too. Yeah. 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 I, I so agree, and I so... Um, uh, I didn't make this up. I read it somewhere, but it's been a training philosophy that I've had all along, and, mm-hmm. and it is when bad stuff happens, drop it. It's like telling your dog to drop it when they have mm-hmm. an obsessive behavior. Just drop it mm-hmm. and go yeah. and refocus to your intention and your and your yeah your intention is the best way I can say it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting you said that. You know, I training a young dog with Einstein. Um, one of the lessons that we did with him was drop it, drop it, and leave it. You know, <clears throat> and of course, bring it, <laughs> find it. Uh, but anyway, um, that's beside the point. Um, but I noticed myself actually using those terms. I'm training him, and all of a sudden, I'm noticing that I need to train myself to drop it and to leave it. You know, because we we tend to get so obsessed or glued, you know, or stuck on the stuff that's we're fussy about, you know, that we're we're you know stuck on. Um, and if we simply give ourselves and teach ourselves the command, drop it, and it's no more difficult than simply letting it go. You just <laughs> drop it, <laughs> drop it, and move on. It's like, well, how hard is this? But I mean, it's, it's such a simple lesson, but so many of us get so stuck on it. It's like so silly. Anyway, but thank yeah. you for bringing that point out. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Okay, so so let's talk about, and then we're going right into this on training. What is the difference between dominance and leadership in horse training and dog training? Because I know it goes both ways. I'm not so sure about cats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a little different know. training approach for kitties, <laughs> yes. They're, they are totally different. Totally. Well, uh, dominance has become this, this kind of byword or catchword mm-hmm. in horse training, I know, and, and I do watch a little bit of what's going on with dog training, so I've seen it there too. Um, and to me, what I see is that um, when you interpret behavior through the lens of dominance, mm-hmm. um, you are more likely to get into lots of arguments and fights. <laughs> wow. You feel that you have to dominate the animal that their behavior is coming to you from a place of dominance so that you feel that you have to be dominant as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and dominance is a very tiny part of horse society. You know, dominance dominance is a thread in a big weaving. Um, there is some dominance in horse search society just because there are times when the leader has to give commands and everybody has to respond right now mm-hmm. yeah. for their well-being. Yeah. And they understand that. But leadership is a much more complex tapestry of um, understanding the wants and needs of your group, in this case a herd because you're talking about mm-hmm. horses, Mm-hmm. And if it's just you and your horse in the herd, which is sometimes the case, yeah. um, the leaders of the herd are also relied on for safety and for finding food and for mm-hmm. um, helping abet the social structure so that it works smoothly and nobody gets tromped on all the time. 
and reading the signs of the environment and interpreting whether or not they are danger. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a leader is, dominance is just a teensy, teensy part of what leadership is all about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the best leaders and the ones in every species of critter that has leaders, you know, whether it's horses or humans or dogs or elephants, are the ones who show kindness and compassion and wisdom and take input from their herd or group. They don't automatically go to dominance as as their rule. Mm-hmm. So from my perspective, there's a huge difference and the rewards of leadership are really gigantic. Mm. You know, when you practice leadership and really strive and educate yourself to become a leader, you open a door to a world of relationship. Mm. Okay. We'll never have if you use dominance as your go-to mode of operation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I'm just sensing a, a masculine approach, you know, to relationship based on, I'm thinking of males, <laughs> human males, um, perhaps, but, but also other males, um, in that um, battle for attention and women, you know, basically. And, you know, it's like, and and then knowing where that has its place and where it does not fit. It's almost like that got translated to everything in relationship and life, and it's not, it's such a small part. Like you said, it's a small thread and a big weaving. Um, I really love that. Leadership is definitely, you know, when we think of wonderful leaders, you know, they inspire um they have wisdom. Uh, we want to follow them. We want to be with them. Um, we wouldn't not, you know, want to do that. We just we're naturally resonated and drawn to them, almost magnetically, irresistibly drawn to a good, strong, confident leader. You know, yeah. um, and it doesn't matter. I was just going to say, some people are cut out to be leaders. Uh, they have that that strength, um, and others, uh, you know. We don't all need to be leaders, right? And at certain times, we can trade off who's leading who. (laughs) We don't have to argue about that. It just gets really clear who's most gifted in this aspect of the journey and and who has gift in that. So, Yeah. um, And that's a really great point. And and, um, because in this book, horses are the focus, um, people who want to interact with horses and ride horses and be around horses need to develop their leadership skills. Yeah. Because horses are big and their their mode of dealing with anxiety and fright and fear is to run away or fight. Mm-hmm. There are other modes, but those are two of the leading contenders. Mm-hmm. People need in horse relationships to really work on their leadership skills. And if they're not natural leaders, it doesn't mean they can't become leaders. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of this book is about, is mm-hmm. giving people real solid guidance on how you become a leader for your horse mm-hmm. and and how that will create this wonderful, deep, wonderful, wide, amazing relationship. Ah, love that. Let's talk about oneness and superiority. So... Uh. Recognizing and understanding the benefits of oneness over superiority. Let's talk about that for a moment. Um, We, as the human creatures, over a period of time, probably thousands and thousands of years, who knows how long it's been, but at, at a point in our history before civilization, um as evidenced by most native cultures, uh, humans saw themselves as just a part of the of the whole of nature, including all the other animals. Mm-hmm. And in most native cultures, uh, the animals are the brothers and sisters of the humans. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the way, um, humans began to think that because they had logic, it somehow made them superior. Mm. And the, the, the loss that happened because of that um, is that we now feel lonely. We are alone. When you're superior, you don't believe there's anyone else who can understand you. Mm. You don't believe there's anyone else who can think as well as you do. You don't believe there's anyone else who can ever really get you. Mm. And you never have an equal relationship. If you think about your best friendships and your best human relationships over, over the years, I feel fairly certain that they are all ones where you have felt not the same as, mm-hmm. but equal to the other person. And so when we, instead of feeling superior to all the animals, we see them as equal but different than us, and we take the attention and time to try to understand them and accept who they are and who they the way they be, not as less uh, valuable but as different, then once again we open the door to this great world of relationship where we get to be connected. Mm -hmm. And again, (laughs) this equality leads, brings us to leadership with them. Mm. No one wants to follow somebody who acts superior all the time. We just don't want to do it. Yeah, we usually want to trip them when they walk by. (laughs) When they walk away, we're mumbling under our breath. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Indeed. And so this getting the oneness, the the equality that we're all connected, that we're all equal on this earth, Mm -hmm. gives us this huge benefit of connectedness and relationship and, again, leadership. Um, and the leadership part is 
in, in this context of oneness and equality is partly because we have tamed animals and um, required them to live in our world. Yeah. And so sure. we have to give them leadership so that they can be safe and happy in our world. So it's our responsibility to give them good leadership so they can be safe and happy in our world, which is actually not really their world, That is not my their viewpoint. natural world. Yep, that's my viewpoint. That it's, I understand. It's not so much, it's a privilege and a responsibility. Yeah. So it really does matter which approach we choose. Um, it matters. It matters. Dominance mm-hmm. uh, puts them into a really tiny little space. Yeah. And 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 it makes us also have to walk this straight and narrow all the time. Yeah. We don't ever get this chance to be expanded and have this fabulous oneness relationship with them. It puts yeah. both of us into these tiny little roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Thank you for bringing that out. Um, can you uh, think of a story to help illustrate this point? Oh, boy. Um, yeah. Many years ago, I had the privilege to go and work at a um, large thoroughbred breeding farm in near Lexington. Kentucky, Mm -hmm. and one of the horses there was named I'm Glad. (laughs) I'm Glad's name should have been I am so mad, Mm. because for whatever reason, he um, probably came in to life mad and Mm -hmm. had had some very abusive treatment along the way, and at one point had actually flipped himself over and broken the top of his withers, which mm. for the people who are not horse people, um, those are long, six to eight inch long bones that stick up from the spine mm-hmm. between the shoulder blades of the horse. And he had broken the tips of those off, oh. flipping over. Oh. Um, when I met him, he lived in a tiny, he lived in a stall, and he wore a halter 24-7 with a chain over the nose of the halter and a mm-hmm. ring at the end of the chain so that a person could very quickly go in a stall and snap a chain onto the end of that ring and have some measure of control of him. Mm. He had recently grabbed someone cleaning the stall, picked him up, he grabbed him with his mouth, picked him up, shook him like a a dog who's killing something, shook mm-hmm. him, threw him on the ground, and tried to stomp them to death. Mm. Um, and so when I arrived, that was the situation. Mm. And their approach to him was totally dominant, Mm -hmm. was that this horse was a problem and he needed to be um, dominated and forced to behave himself and um, couldn't be given an inch or he would take a mile and, you know, it was totally dominance. Mm. And so I was there for a week, and in a week by just seeing him in a different light, Mm -hmm. having compassion for his life, um, having kindness, handling him in the calmest, gentlest, most loving way that I possibly could, Mm -hmm. and using Mm T-Touch, and again, the team groundwork, Mm -hmm. 
in one week, I was able to, uh, first with another person, two of us leading him, we were taking him out to his paddock. By the end of the week, I could go to his paddock and get him and take him in and out of the barn myself. Mm. I could walk up to his to his little paddock outdoors, and I could talk with him and touch him and just tell him, you know, if you start acting dominant and if you start getting violent, I will leave. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, as long as you're calm and and quiet, I'll stay here and, and do tea touch on you. Mm-hmm. And in one week, I was able to make that big of a change where I could go in the stall or go into the paddock and get mm-hmm. him and lead him back and forth and have him be quiet. Mm. Wow. And this was not a young horse. <laughs> Mm. You know, this was a horse who was like ten years old. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the the you know that story to me was kind of a real awakening in the in the dominance versus leadership saga. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Oh. So you know, I I think perhaps we should share with people what T-Touch and team is, uh, just so they know what we're talking about. As I've seen, you know, you've, you've made such impressive um, changes and differences and, you know, in, in how horses respond, and not just horses, but people too. Um, it, let's give people just a little bit of a background so that they know what we're talking about. Okay, that's a great idea. Okay. Uh, T-Touch and team have been a huge influence on me and they continue to be one of the methodologies that I I use when I'm working with horses. Um, Linda Tellington-Jones is the developer of T-Touch and Team and she uh, is a lifelong, amazing, worldwide known animal behaviorist and also um, studied with a man named Moshe Feldenkrais who was a physicist, of all things, who theorized that a lot of the illnesses and what I would call lamenesses in humans that he saw mm-hmm. were actually neural um, patterns. Mm-hmm. And I have to digress for just a second because the neural system is an invisible system of instantaneous communication that happens in the body. Okay. It's not the nervous system. Okay. So he, at, at the time when he theorized this, no one actually really had any proof that there was a neural system, but subsequently a number of studies have proven it exists. Awesome. So he had this theory, and he began just making these non-habitual movements with humans and developing his methodology, and Linda Tellington-Jones studied for him, with him for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she came back to the horse world and just began using the philosophy and the theory of it and letting her intuition guide her as to how she should make these movements and okay. what she should do. So she developed body work, which is a number of different movements with the hands, all of which are very light, and um, groundwork, which is um, also non-habitual ways of moving horses or 
humans or any any being, mm-hmm. so that they change the neural pathway. They change the neural habit. Okay. And um, they're easy to do. They don't require a lot of strength. Um, all they require is focus and um, attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, have made just amazing changes for thousands and thousands of animals and people all around the world. Yeah. I would encourage anyone who finds this interesting to go to www.ttouch.com and uh, there's more information there. So go to www.ttouch.com and you can find out a lot more information. I I know that I've had my own remarkable stories and I don't work with it as much as you by any means, Um, but it is pretty phenomenal um, material. Excellent. Excellent approach. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Very good. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, I actually did this. Um, I was called out to um, uh, a writing stable, and uh, the woman had saved a an old school horse off the auction block to go to the butcher. And uh, she had been riding this horse as her lesson horse, and she could not, you know, stand to see it go go be butchered. And so she saved it. The problem was <laughs> that the horse was not a very happy camper. Um, it didn't really like being ridden. It was it would run away with her, and you know when um, uh, there were some problems. And so when I got there, I, I figured out that you know she really wasn't in her body. She wasn't very clear. She was very unhappy and depressed, and in a lot of pain. And so um, one of the things I was guided to do was actually to use the tea touch. Uh, so I had to work very carefully to find a single place on her entire body that it felt okay to her for me to touch. And it, that happened to be around her left eye. And so she let me do tiny little T-touch circles around her left eye. And then she started relaxing and she said, well, that felt pretty good. Maybe you could do that a little bit on my forehead. <laughs> okay, maybe you could do that on my cheek. You know, under my chin, that would be really nice. And but you know, it took a little while, but it wasn't very long. We were able to do her entire body, and it was shortly after that that she got her groove back, and she was something else. She, um, my uh, my client called one day. She said, "You will not believe what Blackie has done." <laughs> she she said that. Uh, she had somehow escaped out of her uh, pen. She had managed to get the door open. And uh, she had taken off and was uh, snorting and kicking up her heels and taunting the other horses and parading <laughs> up and down the aisles and having a grand old time. And um, that she actually, the, the, the owner actually told me that she had people, when, when they, you know, sorted it all out, <laughs> got her back where she was supposed to be um they came up and they said we who is this horse we we've never seen this horse before they literally told her that and she'd been at the horse she'd been at the stable for a very long time and they said we've never seen her before she's glowing with good health her spirits and attitude are fabulous we don't even know who this horse is they're going who is this did you get a new horse it i mean literally it was just and it, it happened within about a month of us doing T-Touch and, and the communication work and stuff. So, 
you know, um, another wonderful success story for this. So um, just encouraging people to find out about it. Again, it's ttouch.com. And uh, thank you, Penny, for the wonderful work you do with it, too. Yeah, so. I forgot to mention that I give T-Touch and team clinics. Yes, you do. So Wonderful. if you go to my website, www.wholehorsemanship.com, you can mm-hmm. also find out about that. Yeah. Or just email me, and, and I would be happy to talk with you about it. Yeah. So they can contact you through your site? Yep, they can contact me through my site. Excellent. Well, you know, one of the things that you said that I think is so important, and I'm just going to quote it straight from your writing. You said that over the last 25 years, you've seen a shift in the way that humans view animals. More people are recognizing animals as sentient beings with a full range of emotions, wisdom, and intelligence. And you believe that this shift is one of the most important advances of our time, as we now can remember our place as equals among the many rather than as separate and superior beings. Or we should say perhaps so-called. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm not sure how much superiority there is in isolating yourself <laughs> and choosing a very low-life dominant behavior to address everything, do you? <laughs> I wouldn't say it's superior, but... It doesn't feel superior to me. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thanks. So what would you like people to do, Penny? I would love people to buy this book and read it and apply it like yeah. to to their lives. Um, yeah. I have had two women who were not horse people who attended my recent Whole Horsemanship 101, which was a eight-month course. Mm, cool. And um, the book was part of the course material. Mm-hmm. And these women are both um, in the corporate world, uh, corporate trainers, mm-hmm. and they took stuff directly out of my book and quoted it and used it in their corporate trainings. I get it. got great results. I love that. So um, I I feel more and more. Uh, originally when I wrote it, I thought it was just for horse people, but I'm realizing that it really has great, mm-hmm. it has uh, lots of good common horse sense. Yeah. Yes, and it does. you may not remember this, my dear, but mm, you are the one who suggested this title. I did. You did. Wow. Good for me. <laughs> exactly. Good for you for, for having the smarts to keep it. I, I love it. Uncommonly good horse sense. You have a tagline I love, too. A whole horsemanship approach to creating perfect partnership with horses. Yeah. Love it. Love it, love it. So again, wholehorsemanship.com. Get Penny's book, Uncommonly Good Horse Sense. Um, Check out her clinics and workshops. Um, You know, contact her. Let her know you heard her her on the show. Um, And um, I'm really looking for more great stuff from you. I, I know you have a very, very important gift. And your approach, your wisdom, your love of animals is so, so important. Thank you for doing what you do. <sighs> Thank you, Val. Yeah. All right. So we've been speaking with Penny Stone of Uncommonly Good Horse Sense. So thanks, everybody, for your time today. And thank you, Penny, for your time today, for sharing your heart with us. Um, I know you help make our world a better place. All right. So <sighs> bye, everybody. Bye, Penny. Bye. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to the show. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, go to valhart.com forward slash blog. And if you're someone who values a non-invasive, holistic solution to resolving problems with your dogs, cats, and horses, and you want better behaved, healthier, and happier animals, just go to my website at valhart.com to apply for a complimentary happy animal assessment session. And be sure and remember to look for my CDs on iTunes. Learning how to talk with animals is fun and will change your life. So while you're there at my site, get my free Quick Start Animal Talk course and check out the world's first complete animal communication made easy system. May the love of animals bless you, teach you, inspire you, heal you, and reconnect you to the circle of life. Thank you.